blessing to have uh, our young and not so young these days now uh, people leading us in in praise and and, and worship. So get all combobulated here. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we as we gather on this this morning, uh, we uh, as we come together to praise your name, to to worship you for all you are doing uh, in our lives on the on this earth. To know that we uh, are weak, uh, our bodies are weak, our flesh is weak, our will is weak, weak. Our, uh, our obedience is weak, and yet your grace is enough. Uh, Lord, thank you for covering us in your grace, and thank you for, uh, for the way that you have called us uh, to, to grow up in the wisdom and instruction uh, that, that you, you put forth uh, that we might become more Christ-like, that we might proclaim your gospel and uh, make more uh, disciple-making disciples who look more and more like you each day. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to try to get in front here a little bit, so I'm not there. You may uh, have noticed, if you uh, look off into the woods behind me, that there are some things that look a a little bit like turkeys. Um, You may have been fooled as you first came in and thought they were turkeys. And then probably as you looked at them a little bit uh, longer, you realized they're not, right? They're they're just uh, decoys. I I actually have a couple up here. Uh, Again. They, they can fool a lot of things. David and I this, this year, as we were hunting uh, turkeys in the spring, uh, ha- actually had some uh, coyotes on two different occasions come and stalk our decoys and rush at them and just short of, uh, of hitting them run off. And then uh, one of my friends uh, actually had a, a, a coyote grab his decoy and knock it over and then realize it didn't quite taste right. Um, but th- they look up close. Maybe you, you see they, they don't quite look like a real bird, but from a distance they can. Some of them are, are, are a different quality, but then you realize that they're, they're just hollow inside. They're, they're not really, um, they're not a real bird. They don't have flesh and blood. This is another one. Uh, I brought this one because it doesn't just fool coyotes and, and turkeys. Uh, this one actually fooled another hunter. And uh, he got about 15 yards away from it while we were hunting and shot the thing. <laughs> And from 15 yards, you'd think he'd hit it a little bit better. Uh, but actually shot it right from behind, which is an indig- indignity to, you know, for our decoy to get shot in the butt, right? I mean, that's... Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, they, we, can, we can be fooled uh, by these decoys. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, but, again, they're not uh, the real thing. If you take time... To look out at the, those decoys, even from a long way off, you'll see that they're two-dimensional, or one of them is, that, that they're not quite acting like turkeys act, right? They're not moving 
the way turkeys move. I didn't bring my calls. We can make some calls that sound a lot like turkeys, but they're not the true sounds uh, that turkeys uh, make. And, uh, and the reason is uh, they're fake, right? They, they look a lot like a turkey on the outside, but the inside where there should be flesh and blood, in my notes, um, there is not. It's, it's an empty void. And so if you or if a turkey follows one of these fake turkeys for too long, it will end up in their destruction. And we learn from our, our text today in Philippians chapter 3 that that can end up in our destruction also if we choose to follow imitations, uh, false uh, examples of what the real thing is. So if you'll turn with me to Philippians uh, chapter 3 as we continue uh, through this, this book. Uh, hear this, Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 17 through 19. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I am often told you, have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Let's pray again. Lord, thank you that you have sent godly examples for us to imitate, uh, for us to learn to grow uh, in Christ's likeness through. Um, and Lord, we just pray for your wisdom, uh, your discernment, um, so that we would know who to follow, uh, who to imitate, who is, is be, being Christ-like, and who to ignore, who to shun, who, 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 who to run away from even, if necessary, uh, that we might not end in destruction, but instead end in glorifying and enjoying you forever. Amen. So, um, Christ's parting uh, instructions to his disciples, we find it in Matthew 28, is to go and make more uh, disciples. This practice of, of discipleship, of, um, of teaching through generations and generations, uh, it, it existed before uh, the New Testament times. Uh, the, uh, the text from Deuteronomy 6 uh, it's often called the Shema because that's the first uh, Hebrew word. It means hear or to, or, or to listen. And it, it's, it's one that's recited by faithful Jewish people in, in Jesus' time as, as well as today. It, it, it repeats um, the, the, this command of God to Moses. It says, um, after the hero Israel part, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. In the New Testament, we get an even clearer picture of, of how discipleship 
builds generations upon generations of disciple-making disciples. Paul writes to Timothy, speaking to him as a spiritual father in the faith, and he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We see that multi-generational model in our text today, where Paul says to the Philippians, imitate me, but also watch for people like like Timothy, perhaps, whom Paul has been discipling with the intention that the Philippians would grow into maturity by imitating them and then would themselves disciple future generations. When Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ in in 1 Corinthians, he invites people not just to see how he preaches or or to hear what what he teaches and writes and speaks, but to see how he lives. In Scripture, we see that he says, imitate me as I I humble myself before the Lord. He asks people to to consider... um, he says, consider myself as having arrived, and not as having arrived at salvation, but continuing to strain forward, right? To, to reach for that prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. To, to work out, as I work out my salvation with fear and trembling. He says, imitate me as I confess my sins and my sinfulness, and as I embrace the saving grace, the forgiveness, the salvation of Christ Jesus. A disciple maker says, imitate me as I both submit to, to government secular authority and, and challenge it when it's being unjust. To imitate me as I rebuke hypocrisy among the religious and sin and heresy in the church. Imitate me as I proclaim the gospel, as I endure unjust suffering. Imitate me as I, as I endure imprisonment and other persecution for the sake of Christ. Imitate me as I trust God for his provision and as I work diligently wherever he places me. Imitate me as I pray and as I ask for prayer. Imitate me as I rejoice in contentment in all circumstances, plenty and want. Imitate me as I shun the honors and privileges of my past pedigree and performance, counting them as loss and rubbish, And as I seek to know him and the power of his resurrection, share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And then finally, if we're to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ, he says, imitate me as I make disciple-making disciples, equipping them, encouraging them, disciplining them sending them on to make more disciple-making disciples. Because if it was just left to the apostles to make disciples, the church would have died out in the second generation. Look at how this call, though, to come and imitate Paul as he imitates Christ causes discipleship throughout generations to occur. Paul imitates Christ. Others like Timothy imitate him. The Philippians are charged to watch and imitate them. And as more and more generations of Christ followers 
disciple the generations that come after them, just as the generations before them discipled them, not just in the knowledge of the faith, the story of Jesus, but the practice of this, this radical faith. It spreads across the globe and even gets to Loudoun, New Hampshire. And we here are called to continue this legacy. The command to make disciples is not exclusive of vocational ministers, of the elders and deacons, or, or some mythical super-Christians. Discipleship is the mission of the entire church of Christ, the body of Christ-following disciples. Some of this is done in, in just the daily life of the body of Christ gathered, like we are today. There are vital elements of discipleship that are going on right now as we gather together to worship, to sing together, to, to pray together, to hear his word, to, to fellowship uh, together, to proclaim the gospel. There, there, there's discipleship that happens when we gather together uh, for Sunday school or other educational opportunities like Don George is going to lead uh, in, next month. There, there is discipleship that happens when we, we gather together in small groups or, or Bible studies, as we, as we gather to serve each other and, and others and, and, and gather for fellowship and, and for prayer. And when, when, when believers go to places like Hampton Beach and proclaim the gospel to those who have not heard it, calling up a, a sick or hurting or isolated uh, person encouraging, participating in a ministry. All of these and the many activities of, of the church, uh, as the church body gathering, have aspects of discipleship. But there is more to discipleship than this. Every single one of us, no matter our circumstance, is called to come and imitate those who are more mature in their walk with Christ. And as that discipleship brings us to maturity, every one of us is called to, to go and make disciples, to say, come, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And depending on where you are in the life that God has called you to, that disciple may be your child. It may be your spouse. It may be a friend, someone that you know at school or at work or in your community, a classmate, an associate, maybe a complete stranger who needs to know the Lord and how to follow him better. Whoever it may be, wherever you are in your walk in Christ, know this, Christian. You are commanded to grow in a, a, grow in a disciple making discipleship model, just like those first disciples. Those first ones who were called to be fishers of men were called by Christ, they followed Christ, were transformed by Christ, and sent out on mission for Christ. Jesus came and said, follow me. He called them, and they did. And I will make you, I'll transform you into fishers of of men. I'll put you on mission for me. The essence of that mission is to go into the world and say, come, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So in our, our, 
our, our verses today. He says, brothers, join in imitating me. And then he says, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. It all states, starts with imitating those we ought to imitate. Yet we know that just like these decoys out there, everyone who claims the title of Christian is not necessarily walking in the example that Christ has set. He is not any more a true disciple of Christ than those decoys out there are real birds. Praise God that the same scriptures that tell us, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good, also give us help to discern who is following Christ and who merely has the appearance of godliness. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus warns uh, the crowds and his disciples, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Are, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree, Jesus says, that does not bear good fruit, we cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit. And then we say, well, what is that fruit? How do I recognize them? Paul tells us that. Right? In Galatians, but the fruit of the Spirit, right? love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, that they keep in step with the Spirit by refusing to become conceited, right? provoking each other or envying one another. And James also echoes these thoughts. He says, we can, we can identify the mature believer, but uh, the follower of Christ, not simply by their good works that flow from, from, from obedient walk, but by the absence right, of, of jealousy and selfish ambition, and by the presence of this wisdom that comes from above, which is first pure and peaceful, right, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. You see, just like a real bird moves and walks and sounds and acts like a real bird, a real disciple of Christ moves and acts and talks like a disciple of Christ should, like the disciples who came before her or before him. Do you know someone who... who who proclaims the gospel and is full of that kind of wisdom, who lives as a light before the world so that others might see his or her good works right, and give glory to, to the Father who is in heaven. If so, come. Imitate them as they imitate Christ. Yet again, take care. Not all walk according to this example. And this is as true today as it was in Paul's day. And the times between as well, that, that people have been led astray by those who have the appearance of godliness, but they 
deny the true power of God. Jesus warned that not all who called themselves by his name would, would be called by him. He said, in that day, many would say to him, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out many demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name? And Jesus says, and then will I say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Paul warns the Philippians, many of whom I have often told you, and, and, and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. There's a warning that he has been repeated to many other churches. He tells the Galatians, there are some who, who want to trouble you and distort the gospel of Christ. The Ephesians, he says, after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. He warned Titus about many rebellious people who were disrupting entire households with false teaching for dishonest gain. He tells Timothy that there would be teachers who would say whatever people's itching ears wanted to hear. And so just as we can recognize a good tree by its good fruit, we can recognize the diseased tree by its bad fruit. The enemies of the cross of Christ will bear bad fruit. False teacher may say many of the same things. They may cry out, Lord, Lord. They may have that appearance of godliness. The outside of their cup, as Jesus said, may look clean, but the inside is full of filthiness. If you look at that, if you look at them closely, if you watch them for longer than a moment, right, you will see with the discernment God has gifted you with that they are, as Paul said, whitewashed tombs, right? Outwardly beautiful, inside full of uncleanliness. He says their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame. Following a false teacher is like following a decoy. It only leads to destruction. So before you start imitating someone, take some time to sit back and consider if they truly are a, a, a disciple of Christ. Watch their fruit. David and I have sat in blinds many times, especially this year, and watched a beautiful turkey, a wise turkey, look at these decoys and say, not buying it, and, and, and go on. They watch long enough and say, it doesn't move like one. It doesn't act like, it looks a lot like one, but I know that is not a turkey. Watch for their fruit. The hypocrite claims to follow the God of the universe in public, but it actually follows the God of their belly. The hypocrite purports right, to, to glorify God's goodness, but when out of sight, glories in what is shameful. The hypocrite's mouth speaks of heaven, but his mind is on earth. As, as we hear in the Old Testament, they honor God with their lips. Their heart is far from them. Again, the hypocrisy can also be, uh, be illuminated by acts that are inconsistent. 
with Scripture. Paul used that imagery again of whitewash. When he said, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? Yet contrary to the law, you ordered me to be struck? So if inaction or, or actions that are inconsistent with Scripture are the mark of the hell-bound hypocrite, you may be worried right now. Because all of us do that. Right? You may be thinking about the... Maybe you're thinking a lot like the disciples did when, when Jesus said to them that uh, that for the rich person it was as, as difficult to get for that person to get into heaven as a camel through the eye of the needle and they heard that and they said well, we might not be rich in the eyes of the world right but but we're rich in other ways who then can be saved they said they said and we might think the same thing if if that's the mark of someone who is going to, to be with Jesus for eternity well then I, I don't qualify right who then can be saved? Praise God that Jesus answers them and says, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Christians are not perfect or sinless. Right? There, there is a, but there's a wide chasm of difference between inconsistency in our Christian walk and hypocrisy. But we are called to be perfect even as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Like Paul, we can expect that we will have a lifelong struggle with sin, with selfishness, right? with, with, with a selfish ambition, with jealousy, with, between God's law and our flesh. In, in, in chapter 7 of Romans, Paul cries out in anguish. He says, I don't even understand my own actions. I, I, I do the thing, or I do not do what I want, and I do the thing I don't want. I, I, I find... It to be a law that, that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging a war against the law of my mind and, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? The inconsistent Christian may look a lot like a hypocrite at times. But there is a big difference. So, like the hypocrite, the, the inconsistent Christian falls into sin, sometimes often. But unlike the, the hypocrite, the inconsistent Christian receives conviction, accepts discipline, practices repentance, makes confession, accepts forgiveness, and then experiences renewal. Just like the decoy cries out, hey, look at me. Check out my, my feathers, my perfect feathers. Hypocrites may be able to say, follow what I say and, and admire my public image, but they've got to hold their followers at an arm's length. Right? So they don't see behind the two dimensions. They don't see the hollowness. Mature, yet inconsistent Christians can invite disciples into the messiness of their lives because the mature Christian is trusting in God's righteousness rather than the false righteousness that comes from the things that lie behind. The mature Christian is able to say, I'm missing some feathers. I've got some wounds. I've got some scars, but I'm learning from them. 
it, it, Christ is making this ugliness beautiful. So the, the, you can still say, imitate me as I do imitate Christ's godliness. Imitate me as I, as I myself learn to, to receive conviction. Right? To, to, to practice a repentance, to accept the discipline, to, to, to make my confession, to accept forgiveness, and to experience revival and renewal. So while the hypocrite's grand exterior hides an empty shell, the inconsistent Christian's life may look messy on the outside, but it is full of living flesh and blood on the inside, being transformed through the power of Christ Jesus. Love it, my friends. Look to those who are mature, who are maturing in Christ Jesus. Examine them and imitate them as they imitate Christ. Ask them, why do you do what you do? Examine the scriptures daily to see if what they say is so. Test everything. Hold fast, though, to what is good. And when you find people who are genuine, who, who walk according to the example of Christ, and, and of Paul, and Timothy, and those who have come afterwards, Imitate them as they imitate Christ. Learn from them, not so that you can become like them, but so that you can become more like Christ. Young Christian, whether you have been a, a, a Christian just a few weeks or decades, but are still young in your faith, would you take a, a step of faith with, with us? Would you commit to formalizing this relationship of imitation with somebody a mature Christian. It's something we call discipleship. There are a lot of ways to do this. One of the ways you could you could dip your feet into it would be to spend six weeks with, with Don George learning about the spiritual disciplines. Uh, another way you, you might do it is by meeting with a, a mature Christian, going through a real easy five-lesson Bible study that, that, that we've used to just sort of help understand what we're talking about when we say discipleship and what and make sure that we're on the same sheet of music when we're talking about the gospel if you're an unbeliever maybe a skeptic who's who's come here expecting to find hypocrites you're going to find a lot of inconsistency here right if you look around you will probably find some hypocrites here and you will probably find a lot of inconsistent christians and if that is what is holding you back from the message of the gospel, if it is keeping you from believing in your sinfulness and in God's grace, his call for you to be redeemed through his son, maybe keeping you from believing that this gospel is true, that it's practical, or, or, or that it's worth it. If, if what it says about broken, sinful people worthy of condemnation and death, that, that they can somehow be redeemed, not through their past, but through the eternal grace, the love, the mercy of God that he demonstrates through his son, the supernatural transformation that comes through Jesus Christ, the only son of God. Would you be willing to take five weeks to go through one, uh, this with, with one of us 
Again, it's designed for new believers, but it will walk you through what we say we believe. It's only five weeks, half hour a week. Figure out if, if what you think. Ask us questions. Poke holes in, 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 in the arguments and in, in, the, uh, in the ideas. Ask hard questions. And if you are a mature or maturing Christian, been at this for a while, who has been poured into by someone who said, come, imitate me as I, as I imitate Christ, you know, or maybe you haven't had that privilege, but God has still grown you. Would you be willing to be that disciple-making disciple, calling others to imitate you as you imitate Christ? Would you take a couple of steps of faith as well? Would you be willing to approach a person? You know, talk to us. We can, we can help point you in the direction of, of a person who's looking for this. Maybe someone who's younger in the faith or maybe a, a, an unbeliever altogether. All and invite him or invite her to come imitate you as you imitate Christ. And this is tricky, right? Because you're going to have to be vulnerable if you're going to do this. Because this isn't to call like some hunter in the woods uh, hidden behind uh, a blind. Right? But it's inviting the person to come right up to you in some intimacy to see behind the feathers, to see the ones that are missing, to to see where the scars, the, the disfigurement, the, the messiness of your life, but also to see that there is truly flesh and blood in that walk that you have with Christ. Would you let them see that? Let, let them see how Christ is making order out of disorder, turning hate to love, replacing selfish ambition with, selfish, uh, with selfless generosity, and turning your mind from the things of this earth to the things of heaven. We'd love to help you take that step of faith and to become a disciple-making disciple. Hear this challenge that comes from, from D.A. Carson. I'll flesh it out a little bit with examples in our own congregation. Carson writes, You who are older should be looking out for younger people and saying, in effect, Watch me. Come. I'll show you how to have family devotions. We do that with the course that Don George is doing, or with Mom Zink in the past. We've got some real wise parents, mothers and fathers, who are, who have just really been blessed with an opportunity to, to lead family devotions in a life-changing way. Or maybe say, come, I'll show you how to do a Bible study. Got one on Tuesday mornings. It's meeting with some of the older folks. We're starting to, to restart some, some others. We've got one online that'll be going on this Tuesday with some of the men. Come on. Let, let me take you through some of the fundamentals of the faith. Again, some opportunity. There are some people who love to bring people through the blocking and tackling of, of, this, of this faith. Come, I'll show you how to pray. Monday nights prayer meetings there. We have some real faithful Christians who just love to pray and love to show others how to do that. Let me show you how to be a Christian husband and father or wife and mother. Maybe in the easy times, like we've got Dylan and Elizabeth, some of our, our newest uh, um, couple, and then we've got some who, have, who are a bit older on that thing. I, I'm looking at Cheryl and Dave Right now, um, some, 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 some wonderful examples of godly 
couples who have lived a long and faithful life, as well as some beautiful examples of widows and widowers who have taken their oath, right, their, their vow all the way, right, through the end of life. And at a certain point, D.A. Carson writes, a certain point in life, that older mentor should be saying other things. Such as, let me show you how to die. Watch me. Think of Lillian D. Hart. Sue Garnet. People that some people might say, they can't do anything, right? They can't make disciples. She's stuck in a bed. She's stuck in a, in, in a, in a Merrimack County nursing home. She can't even get outside except once a week to see someone from a distance. And yet she can still make disciples. Mary Sue stuck in, who's, who's following wise advice to sort of keep some isolation. And also her body is failing. It's hard for her to get out. She can't do anything, right? Yes, she can. She can make disciples by saying, come, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Not just in my life, but in my dying. Let us pray. God, we are so not worthy of, of the blessings you shower on us. We... we uh, we think a lot of ourselves sometimes, but I just looking out uh, in this tiny field, tiny in the in, in your eyes, and, and I I don't have the power to make a single blade of grass grow longer, and yet you love us, you shower us with goodness, with with blessings, with faith. You, you call us to be forgiven. You call us to be redeemed. You call us to be healed, to be transformed. And, and though we have drug your name, your reputation through the dust, you call us and say, be called by my name. Uh, Lord, we don't deserve you. Uh, we give you glory that you still call us. May we become imitators of you as we learn to do that through those who go before us. And may we continue this line of, of disciple-making disciples, calling others to imitate us as we imitate you. Please give us the obedience, the grace, the humility, uh, and the boldness to do that. pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you very much. Please stand with me. We're going to sing uh, one more song before we head out the door.
to our young people again for singing so beautifully, playing so beautifully, reminding us, yeah, not us, right, but Christ through us. There is a meeting after this uh, service, uh, maybe before the rain hits us, uh, for those who are interested in going to Par the Paracletos uh, missions trip at the end of September. Whether you are absolutely sure you're going or just interested, please meet Cheryl's over here. Um, it, Give her a hand, and, and, uh, and, and she's uh, leading our gaggle uh, there for our flock uh, uh, to, to Paracletos. So please uh, stick around and, and, uh, and hear for a short meeting. Hear this again this, the, from, from the book of Jude, this benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. Go in the example of Christ. <laughs>